Welcome to another episode of Round 4 Brackets. This is our third annual Christmas holiday show. Just like our other episodes, we will have 16 movies and specials face off one by one bracket style until we determine the best one overall. We have already had 32 Christmas slash holiday specials face off against each other in shows past, which caused some favorites and all-time classics to be bumped out early. For this third installment, we have a special present for our loyal listeners. We are bringing back eight previous movies that were eliminated and giving them a rebirth and a second chance at Christmas glory. They will face off against eight new movies, which we have not had on a holiday bracket before. For our new listeners, I want to welcome you to the show. If your favorite holiday special is not on this show today, go back and find our previous shows on Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. I am one of your hosts, Scott Barnes, the man infamous for trying to steal Christmas from 2004 to 2011. And I almost got away with it, too, in 2009, but I failed thanks to Obama. That's a dated joke, but I'm going to stick with it. Next to me is another host, Mercy Warren. She has spent the last 10 years trying to teach me the meaning of Christmas, decorating as early as October, making me go to places like Frankenmuth in Michigan, Castle Noel in Ohio, and Ogle Bay in West Virginia. She is the embodiment of the season, and normally I make a joke at this point at her expense, but you know what? I won't do that this year. Mercy Thank you so much. Merry Christmas, my love, and thank you for being with me this day and every day. Having said that, I can't put pull any punches when it comes to the other two hosts. One of them is the 11-time bracket winner, Mrs. Lawson. She is ruthless in the way she racks up wins on this show, even dethroning Mercy Warren last year with her stunning winning pick in the Christmas bracket episode with Garfield X The Christmas Special. I was wondering how long it was going to take to mention Garfield. If he didn't mention it, I was going to when I did my introduction. I was going to say, Mercy. Mr. Lawson said that, too. Yeah, Mercy has not let us forget it the entire year, bringing it up multiple times on previous shows. Mm -hmm. So this episode, will Mrs. Lawson win again, or can Mercy rebound and reclaim her Christmas title? Stay tuned to find out. And finally, we have Mr. Lawson. He once made a Christmas wish where he wished he had never been born, when suddenly an angel appeared to show him the error of his ways, and that he was wrong for wishing such a thing. After taking him on a Christmas adventure where three gro- ghosts showed him his past, present, and future, Mr. Lawson gained the courage to let his heart grow three sizes larger and return the gifts he stole. Not only that, Santa rode him all night long while his nose lit up the sky and saved Christmas. As Mr. Lawson drove off into the night, he promised to be back again someday. Did not like how you phrased that. <laughs> that's a strange way. <laughs> well, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Lawson. All right. So while we sort through all that legal nonsense, copyright infringement, and lawsuits that are sure to follow, we can get into the show. A special thanks to our VIP guest, Mr. Acorn. Or Mr. Chestnuts, he said we can call him that for the holidays, Mr. Chestnuts. But we're going to go with Mr. Acorn for now, who will be our tiebreaker this episode. You can be a VIP listener, too. You just have to reach out to us on X or Twitter or whatever they're calling it now, or through the comment section on Spotify. So, having said that, let's get into the show. First, we have up a movie that finished as the runner-up to our last year's winner, and that is Miracle on 34th Street. 
which goes up against a beloved Christmas special, which lost in 2021 and our first Christmas holiday show, and that is Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. So Miracle on 34th Street came out in 1947, starring Edmund Gwen, Maureen O'Hara, Fred Gailey, and Natalie Wood. So fun fact, the film was shot on location during a bitterly cold New York winter. On several occasions, the cameras literally froze. Actress Maureen O'Hara, who played Doris, remembered a woman who lived close to where they were shooting outside and allowed them and the crew to come inside her home to warm up. As a thank you, the actress took the woman out to eat at the famed restaurant 21. The woman was so excited and nervous that all she could manage to have was a glass of milk. And it goes up against film number two, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, which came out in 1964, starring Billy Mae Richards, Burl Ives, Larry DeMann, Paul Souls, and Stan Francis. So this is another fun, interesting fact here. The original TV special, when it aired, did not have the Santa and Rudolph returning to the island of Misfit Toys to help the toys there. After it aired, so many kids wrote into the producers in protest that they added the now iconic scene in, and it has aired with it ever since in 1964. So, yeah, the whole scene where they went back and saved the toys, that wasn't even in the original. Is that the credits where they, like, go and save the, the toys? The credits or, is it, when they're, like, throw, he's, like, I, throwing I think maybe out. the credits would have had it in there. Maybe the credits were the same, but where they actually go back there. So that would have been confusing, though, to anybody seeing it, I think. So they added the scene where he went back there. And he just abandoned these toys. <laughs> yeah, which I mean, is kind of... Very Christmassy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so as always, I have spoken too long. Mercy Warren, welcome to the show. Why, thank the, you. Uh, yeah, the Island of Misfit Toys. Wow. That was pretty sad. I know. <laughs> Why, thank you, Scott, and thank you for the wonderful intro. So what I have to say about Miracle on 34th Street is that I'm glad that it's getting a second chance. It was robbed by Garfield the Christmas Special last year, which if you put the two next to each other, I feel like Miracle on 34th Street is still holds up a little bit better. Oh, that is so last year, Mercy Warren. Let it go. <laughs> okay, so Miracle on 34th Street. It's been, it's been literally a year. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hold grudges, obviously, but um, Miracle on 34th Street, it is such a heartwarming movie, so heartwarming, and in the end, all like the letters from all the children in the courtroom go flying around and stuff, it's just such a cute movie, it's heartwarming, and just brings home the spirit of Christmas, and the idea of Santa Claus, Rudolph was my pick to bring back, it's just such a classic TV show that I have to watch every single year. If you stop to think about it, it really doesn't hold up very much. Own father literally sees the guy for two seconds and is like, there's you, there's something wrong with you and then puts that thing on his nose. The worst is basically what it boils down to. Because then when his mom wants to go find her son, he's like, his man's work. Basically, Donner's the worst. At the end of the day, even if you start to think about the plot, if you suspend your belief in reality and just take it for what it is a cute christmas movie it is just a something i have to watch each year i just have fond memories of watching it as a child so i felt like rudolph had to have a second chance i think that was a good pick to put back on i 
I think I watched it more when I was younger, and, like, when, when Mr. Lawson and I, like, moved into our house, I don't know if we've ever watched it once, like, like, sat down and watched the TV special, like, when it's on. I think it was just on a couple days ago, honestly. I think it was on on the 27th. I own it, no surprise. (laughs) So, I actually watched it yesterday, but, like I said, I watch it at least once every holiday season. Clarice is my favorite person, I shouldn't say person, my favorite deer in that movie. <laughs> yeah. And Mrs. Claus, because she keeps Mr. Claus in check. Mr. Claus. She keeps Santa in check. Like, after elf practice and he's not being very nice to the elves, she's just like, Santa, be nice. <laughs> so. Exactly. But here's the thing. This, she says that chil- the children respect a fat Santa. The children don't even see Santa if he's doing his job correctly. So yeah. why would it matter? Good point. That's true. Just the idea of the picture that you see of him. But I knew, I know I really liked that special growing up because I had like the collectible stuffed mm-hmm. animals. And I think that we had all of, I had all of them and got one every Christmas. So, I'd say when I was younger, I liked it more, but it's been a while, you know, since we've seen it in its full entirety. And then, uh, Miracle for 34th Street, I'm glad we put on the original, because I know one year we put on the, the remake, 90s. and I would say the older one is more, <laughs> it's better. <laughs> Just, I think everyone kind of agrees it's better. But my favorite part is obviously, like, the letters and then, like, the end where the girl gets her house. Oh, yeah. So those are my two favorite parts. Mr. Lawson. Hi there. So Miracle on 34th Street, the original, fantastic movie. It's in black and white, but you don't really even notice at one point because you just get so, um, you you really dial into the characters in the movie. And you care about the little girl. I think you end up care. You, you root for the couple to get together in the end. Like you kind of root for her and her to like have a family. The Santa Claus is really relatable in that movie. Macy's is a great department store. I recommend everyone get their Christmas clothes from there. <laughs> yeah. So there's presents. presents. There's just a lot of good. There's or just Macy's a lot of good dot, or Macy's dot com. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> that movie is a good mix of, of humor, pulls at your heartstrings, and has like that that courtroom scene. I think the scene with like the judge and like the like kind of like the judge's advisor is pretty funny, kind of showing the corruption of the judge. Like he has to not be too harsh on the Santa guy if he doesn't want to lose votes. I mean, there's a lot going on with that movie, so I, I would recommend it highly. Like, like you mentioned earlier, Rudolph to me is something that it's great when you're a kid. When you're older, you kind of realize the, the flaws in the Christmas special. Yeah. But at the same time, it's still just like a cute, uh, what's, what's that called? Rankin and Bass? Or whatever. Rankin yeah. and Bass. It's, it's like a cute Christmas special. So, I mean, it's still, I think it's still fun to watch. If it, if it was on TV, I would still watch it. I, oh, yeah. You know. I'm not getting too fired up about if he has his dentist license or not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then as we get into voting here, um, I'm going to give my vote towards Miracle on 34th Street. I, I do like Rudolph, too. And actually, you know what? I, I still think that I, I think in cancel culture and stuff today, it gets a little bashed more than I should. I mean, I know the 
you know, they, they still learn. It's not just because they, they, they do it, it, like accept Rudolph and his differences before he saves Christmas. So it's like, like, oh, like there's that thing out there like, oh, they only like him because he saved Christmas or he was useful. It's like, no, they felt bad about that beforehand. So I felt that they redeemed themselves and they still had a good message. But overall, like Miracle on 34th Street, I'll go ahead, Miss Lawson. Yeah, I was gonna say they, they kind of forgive him like when they think the snowman, the abominable snowman, got him right. That, that's when they kind of like, like they thought Rudolph was in trouble, where they were yeah. like, oh, we were we were too hard on this guy. Like, yeah, see, I agree. I don't think it's just like they just like, oh, we're we're using him for his. Yeah. <laughs> his exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's a good story in, in in the amount of time it has to show like the redemption of the other characters, and you would think that automatically if in the North Pole and it's Christmas and Santa Claus workshop the be like that anyway they wouldn't have to learn the lesson but you know but then you know like miracle on 34th street it just it seems like it was something that was almost kind of ahead of its time in a way with the story with you know doris being divorced i think too and i know in our last last time that was on a bracket it was kind of like oh that was such a scandal and you know having a movie back then like oh you can't have a divorced couple uh in a movie so i think just overall miracle on 34th street um deserves to go into the second round and rudolph as good as it is, um, this reindeer is going to spend Christmas alone if I have my way. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Mercy war. Well, that was crept in her heart. He has to pull Santa's sleigh with all the other reindeer so he won't be alone. But um, Miracle on 34th Street, if you ever go to Macy's and Herald Square in New York, they actually have like an entire wall dedicated Miracle on 34th Street where they have parts of the movie playing at all times which is pretty cool to see so if you're ever in New York go check that out I want to say it's on the third floor but I'm not entirely sure and one thing about Rudolph is soundtrack is a bop it's it slaps it pops off you got winners like Holly Jolly Christmas obviously Rudolph there and Nose Reindeer um the Weird Santa's Elf song the Silver and Gold song so that soundtrack holds up so that's what I have to say about the Rudolph soundtrack. I think I'm going to throw a vote for Rudolph, actually. As good of a movie as Miracle on 34th Street is, so this is a really tough one for me. But I think I'm going to throw a vote to Rudolph. I, I think I'm going to vote for uh, Miracle on 34th Street. I'm with you on the soundtrack, Mercy. It's, it's, it's a good soundtrack. And I like Yukon Cornelius. And I do like the fact that, like, the about how we turn to be friendly at the end. That yeah. was kind of like that part. But they ripped all his teeth out! You know, I, I feel like that would have been, like, if, if, that movie, if that special come out today, that would have been, like, the Baby Yoda-style marketing with the Baba <laughs> Snowman yeah. like, a nice guy at the end. But well, Miracle on 34th Street gets my vote because, like, all the reasons we mentioned earlier. Alright, so, and Mercy kind of does kind of almost justifies the pick of Garfield last year by voting against Miracle this year, because I guess if Miracle would have been good enough to win last year, it should have gotten a vote from you, Mercy. Makes sense to me. I know. It was against a Mercy pick. Anywho, we move on to the next... Both your picks? No, um, Miracle was mine. All right, so films number three and four have two comedies that have both been in previous brackets, but have yet to win, and they are National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Versus Will Ferrell's Elf. So Christmas Vacation came out in 1989 starring Chevy Chase, Beverly D'Angelo, Juliette Lewis, Johnny Galecki, Doris Roberts, Randy Quain, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I did it! I said her name! And Brian Doyle Murray. 
So in the scene where Clark takes his frustration out on the plastic Christmas decorations in the front yard when he can't get the lights to work, you can actually see the moment where Chevy Chase breaks his pinky when punching the Santa Claus. He stays in character and starts kicking the de decorations instead uh, to complete the scene, and that's the, that's the shot that actually made it into the movie. So in that moment, you can actually watch Chevy Chase break his pinky. <laughs> So it goes up against Elf, which came out in 2003, starring Will Ferrell, James Caan, Bob Newhart, Zoe Deschanel, Ed Asner, Mary Steinbergen, and Daniel Tay. I think also a cameo by Peter Dinklage. So I had no idea of this next fun fact when I put these movies together. But originally, Chevy Chase was considered for the role of Papa Elf. And this was voted uh, by John Favreau for him to be in the movie. Will Ferrell vetoed the idea because he disliked working with Chevy when he came back to host SNL in the late 90s. Ferrell said uh, Chevy Chase was the worst host he ever worked with. And some other people have echoed that too throughout the years. Yeah. He's got the fight on SNL, so. Yeah, with Bill Murray. Yeah. Didn't he get a fight with Bill Murray? Yeah. yeah. I don't think he's very nice. I've heard no. he's really rough to work with. Yeah. The cast of Community said that he was rough to work with. Yep. I think they kicked they basically wrote him off the show. Yeah. Yeah, and um, uh, a lot of people credit Chevy Chase with his insults when he came back and hosted when Robert Downing Jr. was on the cast of SNL. A lot of people say that Chevy Chase was the reason Rob, uh, Robert Downey Jr. had to go back into rehab because he bullied him and then pushed uh, Robert Downey Jr. to start drinking and doing drugs again. All right, Mercy Warren. So in Scott's intro, he talked about a place we went in Ohio called Castle Noel. And they actually have movie memorabilia from different Christmas movies. And they have movie memorabilia from both of these movies. From Elf, they have Will Ferrell's um, costume. They have some of like the decorations that were up in the department store. And they actually have Cousin Eddie's RV from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Of course, I had to take a picture of it holding that little, uh, holding that like sewer thing that yeah. Eddie had. You know what I said at that point, holding it, taking a picture. <laughs> So, that's just a little fun fact. If you're ever in Medina, Ohio, check out that museum. It's super cool. But both of these movies are funny, and both of these movies are super, super quotable. Very quotable and hilarious. And National Lampoon's um, Scott and I have Christmas sweaters. His set, Mine says, why is the carpet all wet, Todd? And his says, I don't know, Margo. That's the third time we've said this on the bracket, by the way. And... <laughs> Well, maybe we'll get new Christmas sweaters and I'll have something else to talk about, okay? Maybe we will, Mercy Warren. <laughs> and also, I like the um, Aunt Beverly, the older aunt, who's like, is your house on fire, Clark? Is Rusty still in the Navy? <laughs> and like when she says, um, supposed to be saying the blessing, but she says the Pledge of Allegiance. Grace has been dead for years. Grace has been dead for 12 years. And then, like, the, she, the cat was in the box. Like, that's, like, just some of my favorite parts. I also like the part when Chevy Chase is sledding and he puts that, like, lubricant on the bottom and, like, <laughs> like slides across the street on it. Um, Elf, my favorite part is at the very beginning when 
like the narwhal pops out of the water and it says like bye buddy i hope you find your dad thanks mr narwhal i have pajamas that say that yes he does i also like the part when there he sees like the best coffee in new york sign he's like congratulations you did it <laughs> So it's just both movies are just so funny, and they are both movies that I watch every single year. All of these paired up against each other. It seems very terrible. Not fair. Again, guys. I mean, this is crazy. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's gonna have some hard, tough matchups here. I mean, especially when you bring back some classics. Yeah, these are both just Chef's Kiss movies, like Chef's Kiss. I mean, I grew up oh. watching National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation every Christmas Eve. That was like my family's tradition. <laughs> my dad can't stand Will Ferrell, so we didn't watch Elf very often. But Aww, yeah, I watch Elf at least once a year. Yeah, I agree. It's very good. I do have a fun fact. I saw an interview of um, you know, those Property Brothers, like on HGTV. Yeah. Property Brothers, you mean? Yes, the Property Brothers. Those, those Property Brothers. That's not you know. I think they're the same Scott. But anyways, so one of them is engaged to Zoe Deschanel. Yeah. Really. And yeah. he said, "Once it's yeah, true, she can do better." He said that sometimes he he like makes her dress up as her character. Oh my gosh! Now, I don't know in what way, but <laughs> or why? <laughs> this is a family Christmas show. Come on! And Mrs. Lawson back with her sexy fun facts. <laughs> we haven't had those for a while. From like you. the pink elf costume that she wears at the end. Yes, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of what else would he have her wear. Either the one she wears in the department store or the uh, one ends. Like, just like it's an elf, I think. So. Okay, I guess teach their own. Just wanted to bring a new fun fact. <laughs> 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 anyway. So. Both good movies. National Lampoon was mine to bring back. It's my favorite Christmas movie. Just from watching it every year with my family. So I'll throw it over. Two terrific movies. I hate that they're paired against each other. So if you haven't seen either one of these movies, turn off this podcast and watch them and then come back and listen to the rest of the podcast. They're both so good. Well said. And the way and uh, the way this bracket is set up, we have our previous movies facing off against movies like the other previous movies, and our newcomers against the other newcomers. So I decided I didn't put them all. I didn't space them out that way. So there was a little bit more in this one where the old ones are against the old ones, and the new ones are against the new ones until they meet in the semifinals and finals. So as we get into voting here, my vote's going to go to National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. It's just, I mean, both these movies are hilarious. They're both, I mean separated by almost you know, what 15 years but still both hold up so well and as mrs uh mercy warren said they're both so quotable i mean i i it's just amazing both of these movies how how funny they are but national lampoons gets a slight edge in my opinion i can just i can watch that movie in the summertime you know it's that good so national lampoons christmas vacation as much as I do like the movie Elf, my vote is also going to go to um, Christmas Vacation. Oh. Well, this isn't climactic at all. I'm going to vote for uh, Christmas Vacation. 
So Mary Steinberg, by the way, if that's her, how you pronounce her name, yes, she's in she's in three of these movies. Yes, yes. I made a note of that. <laughs> uh, but I'm gonna, even though I love Elf, and it's it's, it's a much more family friendly movie, despite yeah. my wife's fun fact. <laughs> uh, that's a that's a, that's a great movie to watch with the whole family. Christmas Vacation is not honestly. But that's a movie, like Scott said, like, that could be, you could watch that on Mother's Day or something. Like, it's just so funny. Really, I can't think of, like, a scene in that movie that isn't hilarious, honestly. Like, the whole thing is just nonstop laughs. Every character is so well-written. And you just believe that, like, that's his parents. You, like, believe that, like, he's so mad at his job and really is, like, dying for that bonus. Like, the whole everything that's written that movie really works for me so mm-hmm. I'm gonna go a clean sweep actually Christmas Vacation yeah which is tough I mean yeah just because it's a sweep over Elf doesn't take anything away from Elf I mean it's it's like when we had Anchorman go up against Best in Show you know great movies but yeah there's one I think maybe other generations you know I think probably like the younger generation from us which is kind of sad to say like people younger than us right now might be going like how can you pick that Elf is amazing but uh, hey go yeah. start your own podcast Go, go watch it. Yep. <laughs> All right. So as we get into the second part of the first half of the bracket here, we have film number five, which is a newcomer to the show and the bracket, and it is Happiest Season, which goes up against a film that was on our 90s comedy bracket, but not on a previous Christmas bracket, and that is number six, Home Alone 2. So Happiest Season came out in 2020, starring Kristen, Kristen Stewart, Mackenzie Davis, Mary Steinbergen, Victor Garber, Allison Brie, Mary Holland, and Dan Levy. Um, Audrey Plaza, I think, said that too. Aubrey Plaza. Aubrey Plaza. Director Clay Duvall wrote the film and directed it. She was direct director and writer, wrote the film as an autobiography. And Mary Holland, who portrays Jane, was a screenwriter for the movie. And I, I actually, I knew, I watched the movie before I knew that fun fact. And I actually said to Mercy Warren as we were watching this, I mean, I feel like this is somebody trying to tell a story. Uh-huh. And I'll get into my critiques of it later at the end for voting. But I kind of like, I'm like, okay, this, they're trying to say something. They're trying to, there's a message here. They're trying to tell a story. Uh-huh. And I, I felt that throughout the entire movie. I agree. All right. Also, another fun fact, Candy Cane Lane, um, not just a new movie coming out by Eddie Murphy, but Candy Cane Lane from the opening scene of of the film is a real place in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The residents who live there all agreed to keep their lights and decorations up a few extra weeks into January 2020 for the film. So that's they actually filmed on location over there. And film number six, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, came out in 1992, starring Macaulay Culkin, Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern, Catherine O'Hara, Tim Curry, and Brenda Fricker. I don't know who that is. I don't know why I wrote that name there. But, is she the homeless lady? That the oh, lady? that's the bird lady. That is. Yep, that's her. Okay. Bird lady. Thank you. <laughs> so the swimming pool scene was shot at the Four Seasons in Chicago because the Plaza Hotel in New York doesn't have a swimming pool. Now, I want to bring Mr. Lawson in on this because he and I have been to New York City together. And I can't remember if you were part of our group when we went to the Plaza. But we were. I remember going to the lobby and it was so much smaller where they filmed that chase scene that I remember. But were you there with us? I can't remember. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. I bet, you know, that part of the trip didn't really land for me. 
I know. Like, I was really disappointed. I mean, I was like, the plaza, we're all like early teenagers, pre or whatever we are. And we go to this place that we still remember our childhood movie, the Home Alone 2. And I'm like, this is so much smaller and not as nice as I remember. <laughs> yeah. It, it didn't really, it wasn't that exceptional, I didn't think. Yeah. Yeah. I, so... My my mom and I have actually stayed at the plaza oh, wow. uh, when I was like a teen, and it, I I did yeah, and it's, it does look different. I don't want your I mean I don't know. I think Mr. Lawson and I. Been, this had to have been like mid two thousands, I think. Yeah, we went in two thousand four, I think. Yeah, it, it wasn't the highlight of that trip. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the whole area, you have, like, Central Park, you have the plaza, you have, like, Fifth Avenue, so, like, it's in, like, an ideal location. Right. But it's so pretty. Yeah. I just remember being excluded, like, the restaurant over there. You could not get into the restaurant. They wouldn't let you in for anything. You had to have, like, basically an income over $500,000 a year to get in there. <laughs> they weren't going to let in a couple of teenage kids. <laughs> All right. Mercy Warren. Okay, so here's my thoughts on these movies. Happiest season. I'm not a big Kristen Stewart fan. I feel like just as an actor, she doesn't provide any emotion into her roles. So I felt like her character had a story to tell. It's just, I feel like her portrayal of that character and how much her um, girlfriend's like, negligence, I guess would be the word, towards her, was hurting her feelings. I felt like that just kind of felt kind of flat. Like, I just don't, even in the Twilight movies, I'm just not a Kristen Stewart fan. But I do like Mary Steenburgen in the 8,000 movies she's been in. I feel like she's just a stereotypical mom that's in every movie. I just love that she's Ted Danson's wife. Oh, I know, she is married to Ted Danson. Yeah. And then I, and her son is married to um the girl from Emily in Paris. What's her name? No, the sing- Phil, Phil Collins' daughter, Lily Collins. Lily Collins. It took me a minute yeah. to get there, but we got there. Anyhow, her, none of that was. Their a- son is married to Lily Collins. Yeah. Oh, nepo children. <laughs> yeah. It took me a minute to figure out. It took me a minute to figure that out, but we got there. So, but I did like Dan um, Levy's character because he reminded me exactly of the character that he plays in um, Shit's Creek. Creek, essentially. He was there to almost be the comedic relief with, like, the pet setting and the fish. and He was the best part of the movie, by yeah. far. Yeah, and in the, end, he he did, the in the end, he did have an important part to play of everybody's story is different. But he just kind of reminded me of the character he played in Shit's Creek. And then Home Alone 2 is an iconic movie I grew up watching. I've always wondered, though, especially in the scene when Macaulay Culkin is throwing the bricks at the guy's head. Like, how are those two guys not dead? Like, all all of this stuff from the first movie that he pulled for them, and then again in the second understand how they at least aren't like they were high high on meth or they don't have some kind of permanent like trauma because of that (laughs) because he was literally like throwing bricks at the guy from high up don't understand because he's literally throwing bricks from high up at this guy like how does he keep on getting up (laughs) so that I don't understand and 
um, gives her the ornament at the end so that they'll always remember each other. The turtle notes. Yeah, I feel like this movie has more of a Christmassy feel than the first one does. Yes. Which I like. The first one's no, I don't feel it's a Christmas movie. So, but this, I do think the second one definitely has more of a Christmas feel. Those are my takes on those movies. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> blooper reel. We could do a blooper reel on this episode, honestly. Sweet, sweet baby Jesus. <laughs> anyway, so I will talk. So Happiest Season was one of the movies that I put on the bracket. Um, I watched it originally when it came out. I think it came out in 2020. Mm-hmm. Yes. I remember watching it during COVID. And again, like I really liked Schitt's Creek. I didn't mind all the other actors. So I thought, like, you know, I watched it by myself, I think, because Mr. Lawson hadn't seen it before. And I kind of had the same feelings that, like, it could have been, like, the direction that it was going, it just could have been better in some way. Mm-hmm. Like, I liked some, I liked some people. I liked that, like, some of the characters weren't super annoying but the majority of it was they were kind of super annoying so <laughs> but I, I mean I liked it I liked that it was like a newer Christmas movie mm-hmm. but we're always looking for newer Christmas movies to watch this time of year so um I still kind of enjoyed it and then Home Alone 2 is just like a, a classic I think the first one is still I prefer the first one over the second one, but still really good. And Macaulay Culkin just got his star in the Oh, he did. Oh, good for him. I saw that. Yeah. So I thought, oh, by the way, this movie had like a box office of around $2 million. I couldn't find exactly. It looks like its budget was over $15 million. So hmm. it didn't make any money. Uh, I couldn't. I don't think it. It was on a street. It like went to a street streaming. I think it was straight on Hulu. Straight to Hulu. Yeah. Yeah. I think it said two million dollars box office. I think it. I think it did lose money in production. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more with you, Mercy Kristen Stewart. I don't. She just sounds the same in everything she does. Whether she's on SNL, she has no emotion. Like, yeah. So I have nothing against her personally, but it just seems like I don't know. I just. I find her acting distracting, and I agree, it's emotionless, and I just don't really, I don't really care for it, honestly. Um, I did think her part was written okay. I thought some of the side characters were just horribly written, like, every, like, the, the one sister was supposed to be, Alison Brie was supposed to be, like, the perfect child. Oh, that's right, Alison yeah. Brie, yeah. She just, like, overacted that part, and it was just, I don't know, it was just, like, every part was just written really... Like if, like, like, if you were supposed to be, like, the perfect daughter, it was written so much, and it was so blatantly clear that's what you were. Like, there was, it was just too much. And the one daughter was, like, the weird girl. And I feel like those, some of her lines were supposed to be funny, but it didn't really land at all. And I just didn't, I just didn't really think it was well written, honestly. I thought it was preachy. I, I do like Daniel Levy. I thought, I thought, yeah, Dan Levy and Aubrey Plaza. I thought, yeah, I like my two favorite parts. Those, those two like kind of tried to save the movie. Yeah, but really everybody else I didn't really like at all. Mm-hmm. Um, no, agreed. Yeah. And if I was Kristen Stewart, like she gave her girlfriend like way too many chances. Yeah. yeah. I would have like left after the 
I don't know, the first night or something. I wouldn't Which even. I wouldn't even have gone once she explained the circumstances of they don't know that you're my girlfriend. I'd be like, nope, let's turn this around. Yeah. Well, take me back to Pittsburgh. Yeah. I was like, why couldn't she just Uber out of there? Like, well, the Uber was like a thousand dollars, so I understand why. A thousand dollars? Come on. Yeah. She could have had. She could have had. She could have gotten out of there a lot easier. I feel like mm-hmm. she could have rented a car. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just I, I get what Daniel I, I I get what the message is. Mm-hmm. I just don't think they need to spend the whole movie. And then it's like they spent the whole movie with like her and her girlfriend really being really shitty to each other. Yeah. And then it was like ten minutes of like, oh well, now we're now we're back together. Let's make up at a gas station, which has yeah. never been done before. I yeah. mean, the office, but I mean, just like, come on, I don't know. Just, just objectively here too, really quick. I won't go on a long rant here, but it's just—it really felt to me that yes, the Clay, uh, Clay Duvall, I think her name was the writer director. She was trying to tell a story. She was, and and the same. The, the thing is though too, it's so hard to take that story and then make the actors, especially when you get a lot of, frankly, B listed actors not none of these actors a lot of them were TV actors who you know they hadn't really done like and this I don't know if they were trying to make this into like a big movie you know but you got what you paid for with these actors you know they're all fine in their niches they're all fine in, in their in what they're they're supposed to do like on their different TV shows and everything that's all fine but when you try to put them into this and get them to do things that they're not really trained to do or ready to do it shows and it definitely showed through in this movie um, Mary Steinberg uh, was fine, you know. She was fine in the movie. Victor Garber was fine, but you can tell the like the other actors just didn't bring it. They didn't bring their A game, and it showed in the movie. It was, I mean, and, and then it just became into one of those. I mean, how many times have we seen it in the last generation here, the last ten years? Of now, I need to come out and tell my parents, and it's a big drama, drama thing. And and I, I get that. That's a big moment for somebody who's coming out. But it's been done to death. It's just been overdone. It's too much. And it, and you know you. Are you a comedy? Are you a drama? Are you a dramedy? Like they weren't any of those things. It was just they couldn't find their lane, and they didn't have the actors that carried the movie. Sorry, Mrs. Lawson. <laughs> well, I'm with you. I I, don't, I feel the same thing. Like that's clearly a big moment for for people that have to experience that. Yes. But like you said, this movie is like almost too late for that. Yes. Like there's been so many movies talking about this subject, and then from really the only nuance of the movie being like. That's a tough moment for people, and people handle it differently. Yes, that was the whole. And they like made, they made a whole movie for that one little point. I thought it was, I just yeah. didn't. It was just all over the place. It, it couldn't pick its lane. It couldn't find its lane. And it tried to be a. It tried to be a Christmas movie. It tried to be a comedy. It tried to be a coming out story. It, it, it was. It would try to be like oh the neglected daughter and oh the perfect daughter and the daughter who's in the closet and then yeah. Kristen Stewart's thing. But then it was almost the fact that they were scared of their parents. Yeah. And then, well, you know, and I will say really quick here. The one thing, and the one, my favorite line of the movie that I will, I really do like, is when the parents didn't accept her, and they said they felt so heartbroken that they said like to think that you wouldn't tell us something because we wouldn't love you. And I, I applauded that. I really did applaud that moment because that's how all parents, I think, should be. Like you should never be afraid to lose your parents' love. And I did love that line. That was a very well written, well, very well deserved, uh, 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 delivered line. And I, I did love that message right there. But, the, I mean, that's one example out of 20 bad examples for the movie, though. <laughs> but, like, also, the part where they're, like, running into the Christmas party, like, and the two sisters are, like, fighting and screaming. Oh, and yeah. Like the, 
Like, who behaves like that? I know. When you're in your late 20s, 30s, like, who behaves like that? And then they take that beautiful picture or beautiful painting that the one sister spent all this hard work on and just, like, like, smashes it over her head for, like, a Like, it's a cartoon or something, yeah. Like, I was, like, like, I was mad for, like, I know that woman obviously didn't paint that, but, like, for whoever did, I'd be, like, I'd be pissed. So like, go ahead, Mr. Lawson. I know you're. <laughs> no, that's what I was trying to express. Yeah. Because like, it was like people were like, "Okay, you are the you're the father who was just, you know, you're ignoring your daughters the whole movie." Like, it was just, it, it was not believable at all. And right. then Kristen Stewart is in the middle of their family photo, but uh, the mom kept on being like. Make, like excluding her from then all of a sudden she's in the middle even though it was supposed to help boost the father's um, mayoral campaign well said yeah it was uh yeah. I don't know. Okay. All right. So <laughs> we'll get in the voting here. Um, my vote is going to go towards Home Alone 2. I think we all said everything we had to say about these two movies, but Home Alone 2 gets my vote. Home Alone 2 gets my vote, too. I'm glad we brought a discussion. It did. <laughs> it definitely did. <laughs> I think I was going to vote for Home Alone 2. Cool shot to Pittsburgh. It was a nice boost for. I was like, oh, this is a really like, liberal, cool part of Pittsburgh. But, yeah. uh, didn't know that was there, but um, yeah, maybe a home alone too. Okay. All right, so as we move to the end of the first half of the bracket, we have film number seven, which sees a new, another newcomer to the show go up against film number eight, which is new, but a story we've heard countless times before. Especially on this podcast already. So, film number seven is Netflix's Claws, and it goes up against uh, Disney's Mickey's Christmas Carol. So, Claws came out in 2019, starring Jason Schwartzman, J.K. Simmons. We've all got the we've got the giggles now. <laughs> I'm sorry, um, Mrs. Lawson laughing, and it made me laugh. Well, I'm glad we can be entertaining to somebody out there. <laughs> It's late in our in our time. It's late, and <laughs> yes, it is. And um, it's just she said the Mickey Christmas Carol, and this is Lawson's yeah, like Claus versus Mickey's Christmas. Carol. <laughs> <laughs> this is the way you said it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm supposed to get really bad here. <laughs> <laughs> not like that. Please never do that. <laughs> <again>. <laughs> no, I'm not. I won't. All right, so. Shy Ronnie from SNL when you do that. I don't sound like Mickey Mouse. You got something to say. <laughs> She's literally like tearing up. Say what you're going to say. I'm the boss. <laughs> you need to stop. So, Claus came out in 2019. Starring Jason Schwartzman, J.K. Simmons, Rashida Jones, Will Sasso, and Norm MacDonald, R.I.P. So the film was in development for nearly 10 years. It was the first hand-drawn animation that also used CGI lighting techniques to create the unique 3D animation that it used in the film. The film was shopped to many studios from April 2015 until Netflix bought it in late 2017. It was reportedly viewed 30 million times in the first month that it uh, came onto Netflix and was the first animated film by Netflix to be nominated for an Academy Award. 
And it goes up against another animated film, Disney's Mickey's Christmas Carol, which premiered in 1983, starring Alan Young, Wayne Alwine, Hal Smith, and Clarence Nash. So the original 1975 album for which the film is based originally featured Merlin from 1963's The Sword in the Stone, The Sword in the Stone, as the Ghost of Xmas Past, and the Evil Witch from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs as the Ghost of Christmas Future. It was also the first animated short with Mickey Mouse in it since 1953's The Simple Things, and the first time Wayne Allwine voiced Mickey Mouse. Mercy Warren, close us out this first half of the bracket with your takes. Okay, so Klaus is one I've never seen before, so I was unsure... What I said, Klaus. 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 Sorry about that. Claus. I don't, I don't think Scott can ever correct her pronunciation on this bracket. <laughs> hey, I've been nailing it with the the names this episode. So, Klaus is a movie <laughs> I have never seen before, so I wasn't sure what to expect when I watched it. And I'll say, I was, I was pleasantly surprised. It was... I wasn't sure what it was about going into it, but... It was cute. I would recommend if you haven't seen it, giving it a watch. It basically is about a spoiled postmaster's son. I can speak. The Postal Academy training is very tough and very rigorous. I was in it myself. And his his dad wants to teach him a lesson, so he makes him go to this, like, very, like, remote like cold island that doesn't see a lot of letters and basically tasks them with revamping their postal system and it kind of is the origin of how the tradition of writing letters to Santa gets started and it starts with him just being selfish but then it shows his partnership with Santa to make the kids happy the number of letters increased and then Santa got to give the kids gifts very good movie. It was very cute. I will say I did cry a couple times, especially at the end when he's he says that like his wife died and they wanted these kids and never had them. But like in the end, he says, I'm coming, my love, and like disappears. But he still comes every December 25th to leave gifts. Just, I don't know, like that had me. So if you haven't seen it, it's cute. I was a blubbering master in this whole movie. <laughs> me too. Like, Towards the end, especially when he was talking about his wife and then how he built all those toys for the kids and they never had them. And then, like I said, the end when he dies, I'm assuming he died, that had me. Oh, you became Santa. Yeah. Well, I think he was Santa, but he's just like, I'm coming and just goes. I know. So and Santa's a ghost now. He went to the North Pole. He went Pole. to the North Pole to make more toys. And I loved that. I thought it was really cute, that little girl that um the postmaster became friends with that he built this sled for she was so cute and she was so sad when she thought he was leaving yeah she was yeah it makes you feel a bunch of things but it was like witty funny in places emotional and others so i recommend it mickey's christmas carol i mean it is what it is like christmas carol adaptations are nothing new this is not my favorite christmas carol adaptation i will say that um, those who have been listening to us for a while know what my favorite Christmas Carol adaptation is. But, I mean, the one thing that annoys me about this one is I don't like Scrooge's accents. It was kind of irritating. 
No, he, he was like, it sounded like he was like trying to do a Scottish accent, but couldn't. Well, it's it's Scrooge McDuck from the yeah. Cocktails. I don't like the way he talks. No, no, Duckly Duck, you're right. I think he was Ducktales. Yeah, it was Ducktales. Because he was in the um, another movie. I think a song that comes away. Woo! Ducktales. But yeah, no, it is Scrooge McDuck from Ducktales. But it's like I don't like his accent. I mean, but it's basically the same played out story that we've heard time and time again. I do have to say, I do like that the fact that the ghost of Christmas past is Jiminy Cricket. Yes. So tying into some other. Disney characters. I kind of wish they would have added other Disney Disney characters. Well, it said like it was. They had an yeah. album that the, all the like, the actors recorded the album that people could listen to but not watch, and they did have other uh, characters from previous Disney things. I don't know why they didn't keep that in there. That was kind of weird that they didn't keep them. Like I would have liked to see that as them like put other Disney properties into that, but I mean it's cute. But like I said, it's just. You've you've seen it before. Mm-hmm. Whether you've seen it before or not, you've seen it before. Right. Yeah, I think you hit the good points, Mercy. Um, this was our first time watching Klaus too. Like I said, we were we were both well. I was a delivery choppy <laughs> mess. Mr. Lawson was not. I don't know. He might have been close, but it was just touching. Yeah, and very. It was just like a beautiful movie. Like it wasn't really expecting to like it that much. Me too. But um, yeah, and then Mickey. I mean, again, another movie that we watched when we were younger. It's also my second favorite uh, adaptation, and I'm sure we'll get into both of our firsts as you listen on. <laughs> so, Mickey's Christmas Carol, I like Jimmy, Cr- Jimmy Cricket as the ghost of Christmas past. I don't hate people with Scottish accents like Mercy. I actually like well the well character that plays Drew. I like, I like Goofy as Marley. Yes, that's, that was really funny. pretty funny. The ghost of Christmas present just doesn't land no. for me in this one, especially when compared to the to the Muppet one, which mm-hmm. is like so much better. Agreed. It's just some giant. He's not really that dynamic of a character, honestly. And then and, you know, future's kind of standard, honestly. Um, I don't know. I kind of like Nikki as Bob Cratchit. Yeah. He just kind of has that like wholesome vibe to him as Bob Cratchit. So I like that part about it. Uh, Klaus and I pick. I'd never seen the movie. I just picked it because I heard good things about it. And I was so impressed. For the first, like, 20 minutes, I was like, is this a Christmas movie? Because it doesn't really get there. It's just about, like, the postal service. <laughs> I was like, is this about the postal service? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like a Hatfields and McCoy um, kind of, like, town. Like, there's half the towns against each other. There's kind of, like, a little bit of silly violence, too, in the beginning. And I was like, what is going on here? And it's basically, like, like Mercy said, it's like set in like a Siberia kind of land. But once it gets going, it's just so heartwarming and funny. Like, it's just, yeah, it's a beautiful movie. And I think it does a really good job kind of like, inter- like just kind of winding, like, well, here's why Santa, like, comes down the chimney. And here's why people think he, like, he flies. And I don't know. I think it was a great job, like, the origin story of Santa but doing it in a different way that is not typical of a lot of movies. So I thought it was really well done. I'd recommend it highly. 
Yeah, Mr. Watson made some good points there. And I'll just say this really quick is on the surface of Claws, it was a very by the book, predictable kind of story with some glaring holes too and plot holes. Having said that, that they still made you feel how they did with the story and the acting. The, the voice acting was fantastic. I, I can't believe Norm MacDonald recorded that right before he passed away. He sounded so full of life and really mm-hmm. at his comedic level, at his comedic best great, there. Great casting there, too. Yes. Like yeah, and I mean it was. It's like you know, you you know that like the teacher with the fish market is going to get together with you know the postal guy at the end, Jason Swartzman's character. You you see everything coming. You know what's going to happen, but they still make you feel. You know, and I did. I'll admit, I got choked up a couple times too. They did a great job telling the story. Another story of just like how Santa came to be. You know, and it was it was just very by the book by the numbers, but it still delivered. And that's really kind of special when you can have a movie do that, where it still makes you feel, it's still, I mean, and the animation I think helped too, it was a very unique animation style mm-hmm. that I think helped lend to the story. And it was a home run. It really was a home run for me. And, and, and I could overlook a lot of the story holes and stuff and give it the credit that it's due. And it's also tough because there's another story that we've seen time and time again, The Christmas Carol told through Mickey Mouse and, and Scrooge McDuck and it was still really funny it brought me back to my childhood watching that and stuff because I'm sure I watched it as a kid and it still got me to laugh <laughs> at moments too and so it's tough because I, I almost kind of wish in a way that there was more to Mickey's Christmas Carol mm-hmm. because it was just like 20 something minutes and it's like you, you could have had more comedy some more music and I think that longer it would have held up a little bit better period. So as we get into voting here, my vote will go towards Claws over Mickey's Christmas Carol for all the reasons I just said. I mean, when a movie can do that and still make you go like, wow, I'd watch that again, they did something good. Yeah, Claws is probably one that I will put into my yearly rotation. Um, That was a great pick on your part, Mr. Lawson. It was. So my vote is going to go to Claws. Yeah, get the tissues out for sure, but I'm also going to vote for Claws. Yeah, I would say, I mean, Moon for Claws, obviously. Uh, not really, like, I would think, it's not for little kids. Like, there's definitely some scary scenes, and there's mm-hmm. some fighting scenes. So I wouldn't recommend it for real little kids. But I'd say, like, you know, going on, like, almost preteen, getting up there. Yeah. But, yeah, as we all said, I, I, get, I hadn't seen it before I picked it, and I watched it. I thought the same, I was like, man, I would watch that again. Like, it was so mm-hmm. beautifully done. Yeah. I agree. As we get into the second half of the bracket now, film number nine against film number ten sees two new Christmas specials to the bracket. Number nine is Jack Frost, and it goes up against Four Christmases. So Jack Frost came out in 1998, starring Michael Keaton, Kelly Preston, Joseph Cross, and Mark Addy. So, fun fact here. Stay tuned. <laughs> Buckle up for this one. Tim Allen, George Clooney, Mel Gibson, Kurt Russell, Billy Bob Thornton, Dennis Quaid, and Kevin Costner were all considered for, considered for the role of Jack Frost before Michael Keaton, showing how interchangeable all these guys are. Oh, and also, a couple more name, names, names to add to this. Jack Lemmon, Harold Ramis, Danny DeVito, and Tom Welling were also considered, too. <laughs> so those four would have been a little bit different from everybody else. Um, but I just can't believe all these different people were considered for the role. Like, I, I like those fun facts where we give out the names of other people. This is probably the record. Like, there's 20 different people there that could have been Jack Frost. Yeah, 
I actually like the Michael Keaton casting. I thought Michael Keaton was okay. I thought that was a good pick, actually. Yeah, but I could have seen, like, I don't know. I, I, I could have seen any of these other people, though. I mean, honestly, well, maybe not. I don't know why. Billy Bob Thornton would have been weird. <laughs> that would have been weird. Yeah, that would not have been good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, number two. Michael Keaton like, has a good mix of the, like, mischievous and heartwarming. That's my take on Michael Keaton. Yeah, no, I agree with that. All right, so film number 10 is Four Christmases, which came out in 2008, starring Reese Witherspoon. (laughs) Reese? Yep, for the holidays. Reese Witherspoon, Vince Vaughn, Mary Steinbergen, again, Robert Duvall, John Favreau, and John Boyd. So according to Celebrity Gossip, Vince Vaughn and Reese Witherspoon hated each other on set. (gasps) Gasp. Several reports speak to how Witherspoon wanted to rehearse and run lines with which Vince Vaughn refused to do as he ad-libbed so much. There was supposedly supposed to be a sex scene in the movie, which was never filmed. That's correct. As Reese Witherspoon, Witherspoon refused to do it. There were also reports that Vince Vaughn would show up late, hungover, and disheveled, while Reese Witherspoon was early and camera-ready whenever, uh, you know, when they were supposed to start filming. And Vince Vaughn did not seem to care too much. That sounds on brand for them, though. Just to jump in, I mean, there was, you could tell there was, like, no one, even, like, when he was, like, at the end, like, I, you know, want to have a family with you, no emotion from Vince Vaughn. Oh, yeah. whatsoever this was a paycheck for him this was yeah they had no chemistry no they did not have chemistry and it was a funny movie but yeah i mean i I think somebody's like oh let's get these two people in it and it was just a paycheck it was just like okay i'll do it run through the motions and i'm gone yeah sorry no you're good couldn't agree with you more (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right mercy warren some total transparency I saw Jack Frost once in 1998. I refuse to watch it again because I know it's going to be sad. So, like, I've read the Wikipedia article, so I know what it's about. I just know that I would cry, so I don't want to watch it because I know it's about, like, a dad who didn't spend as much time as he would have wanted to with his son and made questionable decisions and then basically dies and then comes back as a snowman and then melts like so I just maybe maybe it's not as bad as I'm building up in my head to be I just know it's going to be sad and I would cry so I didn't want to watch it um for at for Christmases um this movie just <laughs> alluding to what Scott was saying I agree it was probably just a paycheck for them I didn't really feel that there was any type of chemistry between Reese Witherspoon and Vince Vaughn. They obviously played the parts where there was supposed to be discord and, like, tension between them better than they played, like, the scenes that weren't supposed to have that. Well said. Because that's probably actually how it was between them, so they really didn't have to act with it. But, like, the scenes, like, towards, like, the third house where they were just, like, really starting to feel the tension were more believable than... We love each other and let's go to Fiji. Yeah. Yeah, and also it's kind of... I think they just tried to shout as many actors in this movie as humanly possible. Like Tim McGraw, randomly? Yeah, like he Tim McGraw. Tim McGraw. Yeah, Tim McGraw. <laughs> yeah. Tim McGraw wasn't that even there. He yeah. was, like, the other brother. That yeah. was him? Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Tim... 
and then like the mom, like his mom and the like the young boyfriend. Let's just like they tried to just, just jam as many actors and zany plot lines as they could, and then like they jammed like. I've never heard a bounce house called a jump jump before, <laughs> but I think that's going to be my new phrasing. Ridiculous. <laughs> I know the jump jump. That was in my mouth. Yeah, like, I... You were saying, like, what? Like, why was it a bounce house at someone's house? Randomly. On Christmas. All those children. All those unsupervised kids. I'm like, yeah, where yeah. did those children come from? They clearly weren't related to the family. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Christmas day. It's like your whole neighborhood just went to some random bounce house. Correction. It is not a bounce house, it's a jump jump. <laughs> why, why were they there? I don't know. But yeah, I do not know. And then the most obnoxious part I think was when they were doing that um like the nativity scene and Vince Vaughn just went rogue. That was also pretty ridiculous. I had enough of that house by that point. I was like, move on to your other two houses. I, I feel the same way. Yeah, yeah, I was like, be done. Yeah, the first two houses dragged too long. And they rushed. And yeah. they rushed everything after that. They rushed the whole rest of the movie, basically. Yeah, so... I'm not going to lie, Four Christmases is not my fave. It's not, I think I've seen it once before, but it's not on my watch every year list. I think I picked two stinkers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you always still find a way to win, Mrs. Lawson. (laughs) But we're also, when we're picking new movies, we've done three Christmas shows before, so the like our favorite Christmas movies are the most, like the ones that are most recognizable we've done already. Yeah, keep that in mind, audience, because this is our third year. We're kind of just trying to pick new movies that we haven't talked yeah, about. Well, maybe, the, yeah, there's some of these movies still have some followings and some fans and stuff, I'm sure. So there's probably somebody out there going, it's like... HBO Max. So it must, yeah. Someone must be watching it. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's one of the top movies on HBO Max right now. It was just on TV earlier when we were scrolling yeah. channels. It was on TV. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. somebody watches this movie. Somebody watches Four Christmases... Someone out there, that's their favorite Christmas movie. Yep. They're, like, yeah. they're like, screw you guys, this is awesome, I love this movie. <laughs> they like chaotic bounce houses. Favorite Christmas movie, yeah, exactly. Anyways, so, so I'll tell the truth, I, I refused to watch Jack Frost when it came out. And I did not watch Jack Frost, so I'm going to let Mr. Lawson talk about it. I'm sorry, guys. Okay. I didn't pick it. Well, Scott, like, the whole movie isn't like, you're not crying the whole movie. No, there's a lot of comedy in Jack Frost. I almost like, picked it, actually, though. Like, the, like, the, like the scene when he dies is sad. Yeah. Like there's a, at the beginning, it's a little sad. But, they, like, like, it's a fun, like, you know, father-son just kind of, like, reconnecting. and. Yeah. But they get into, like, like, snowballs. I don't know. They get, like, it's like a... It's still like a father-son movie, honestly. I watched a Hallmark movie called Snowman's where a woman builds a snowman then falls in love with it when it becomes a human. <laughs> Coming in Christmas bracket number four in 2024. It's called Snowman's if anyone wants to watch it. <laughs> 
Yeah, let's leave. I think there's a different spec on it, but... Is that quite what it was? I didn't think it was... I didn't think it was... It's not sad the whole time. Like, the ending is sad, obviously. Yeah, but, well, it has to go, yeah. Because like the dad is not a, like you don't feel like that he's kind of dies so quickly you don't have a connection to that character right right so I mean like oh he died it's you know but the the end is very sad I admit yeah but there's a lot of like just like it's like a it's like a Christmas father son bonding movie which I think is pretty good yeah. um, four Christmases like we said no emotion no timing to the movie at all. It was almost like let's just get actors together and see how it goes. I know I, I have a Vince Vaughn limit in all of my movies that he's in, mm-hmm. and after the second house, it was I'm like, yeah, we've hit, we've reached the Vince Vaughn. We're yeah, we're done with Vince Vaughn. <laughs> uh, he just plays the same part in every single movie. He does. Yeah, he doesn't. I don't know how they picked him because he has no like warmth to the guy. Like his whole stick is he's kind of like a sarcastic jerk in all of his movies. Yeah. Maybe at the end he's kind of like redeemed himself a little bit, but like that's just not what this. That's yeah, not Christmas. it's kind of like his one redemption moment when he realizes like he doesn't want to like it. Like the finally he finally shares a moment with his dad, and he's like, "Good, you know, you did the right thing because we're screw ups." And he's like, "I don't want to be like my dad." So and then he's like, "Okay, I need to go get." So he doesn't really go get the woman back for her because he loves her. It's because like, oh, I don't want to be like you. <laughs> like yeah, so it's. So it's a tough choice for these two movies, but I think honestly, if you can, if you're not afraid of having a little bit of crying at the end, I think Jack Frost is a perfectly fine movie, and I think Michael Keaton's a fun casting in it, honestly. Yeah, as we get it. Oh, good. Yeah, I don't know how Four Christmas has got all of those actors. Like, was it Robert Duvall, Sissy Space, like John Boyd? Yeah, the big cast, very big cast. Yeah, John Favreau. Well, yeah. yeah. So. I'm sure there's a lot of money with that. Wish we had the budget for that, Mr. Lawson. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. We forgive you. Well, and if you noticed, when they were in the airport, it was the guy from the Christmas story. Oh, Peter Billingsley. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was so him. It was like, I'm sure it was just a bunch of Vince Vaughn's friends. So he made a hundred and twenty million dollars at the box office. By the way, I, could, I, I actually I think I saw it in theaters. I'm pretty sure. I feel like this is back at its yeah yeah it was forty million overseas. We did too. I thought that like did, is this back in the time where I feel like when we came home from college, we all went out and saw movies together, no matter what they were. It was a, it was a made in two thousand eight. Yeah, and I'll I'll correct it. So yeah, the, it had an eighty million dollar budget. That sounds right. And it made a hundred and sixty million at the box office. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah, and it was, and it came out right around Christmas. So. Yeah, I remember a time it felt like every, like almost like once or twice a week, like our group just went out and watched movies randomly during the week or on weekends or something. And it's like we went out a lot and saw a lot of a lot of stinkers. <laughs> I think we saw Fred Claus, which is not. Yeah, nice. yeah, we saw Fred Claus. I remember going out and seeing that too. Yeah, and Mercy so, Warren wasn't invited. So Jack Frost made thirty-four million dollars at the box office, and had a budget of 
It was about fifty billion. So Jack Frost actually lost money. Oh. Yeah. It came out a year after the other Jack Frost, though, like the Killer Snowman thing, though. <laughs> yeah. And they got, it has really bad reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So as we get into voting here, um, yeah, neither of these movies are probably going to make it past the next round. But for this round, anyway, I'm going to give it to Jack Frost. Like Mr. Lawson said, it is Michael Keaton does a good job in the movie. It is, it is sad at certain parts, but it actually, it's like at least he got you know, that one extra moment, you know, with his dad and, and he got to, you know, and he got to share that. And, and it kind of reminds me, I feel like that movie soul, that Pixar movie kind of ripped oh, it off yeah. a little bit. So, I mean, and I like soul, so I'm going to give my vote this round anyway to Jack Frost. So I know I said, I didn't see Jack Frost, which I mean, I did in 1998, but I have no actual remembrance of it. I'm just an emotional person and I cry really easily at movies so that is why I've been protecting myself from Jack Frost. But I did see Four Christmases, and I kind of wish I didn't. So my vote is going to go to Jack Frost. I know. I know. It's like, yeah. I feel the same way about Jack Frost. Like, I didn't want to see it back then for those reasons. I didn't want to see it now. So I'll throw a vote for Four Christmases since I put this stinker. <laughs> doing? Jack Frost. <laughs> yes. See how it does the next round. Okay. I think it's going to melt under the pressure. Yeah, probably. I think I movie about where she builds a snowman and falls in love. It's on Peacock! <laughs> it was like a Hallmark movie, but Peacock has like some old Hallmark movies and a few weeks ago when I was sick and like had like a fever and stuff, I just like watched it. But I mean, I think my fever was like, I was delusional. Like, this is an amazing movie! <laughs> I'm sure if I watched it now when I'm feeling better. Is it better than Four Christmases? I mean, maybe. I kind of want to watch that. We'll just have to do all Hallmark movies next year. All right. So, film number 11 and film number 12 are two very different movies with similar concepts if you think about it. And they are The Night Before and Last Christmas. So, The Night Before came out in 2015, starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Seth Rogen, Gillian Bell, Lizzie Kaplan, Anthony Mackie, and Michael Shannon. So, another movie where much of it is improvised, and the cast and writer, the cast writer and writers and directors all collaborated on other film or series before this. One funny fact, fun fact, is that some of this movie, or most of this movie, was actually shot in August, when it was really hot outside, and so all those hack actors had to uh, act cold while wearing the heavy sweaters, so I thought that was pretty good acting by them. It's pretty funny. And it goes up against number 12, Last Christmas, which came out in 2019, starring Emma Thompson, Amelia Clark, Maxine Baldry, and Michelle Yeoh. So, Amelia Clark had two close calls with death in real life, just a few years before she filmed this film. She had two separate brain aneurysms in 2011 and 2013, so she uh, knew what it was like to go through something like that. And um, also, too, in, in a couple of the scenes, if you look closely, you can see the tattoos on her arm that she got while filming uh, Game of Thrones. They're uh, dragons that she got on her dragon tattoos on her wrist. Mercy Warren. So, here's what I'll say about The Night Before. This movie was <laughs> obviously not made for me. 
Um, I it's just a little bit more raunchy and it's kind of boy humor. Or like it just was not meant for me. It was kind of yeah. raunchy, grotesque. They did try to cram as much Christmas as they could into it. This was the most Christmas movie on this bracket. Like they <laughs> threw in like nods to the Christmas Carol, um Home Alone. Home Alone, it's a wonderful wife, Grinch. They tried to pay homage to a lot of Christmas movies, but I mean, it was just very, just not my type of movie. It was, there was like drugs, sex. Lots of drugs. Um, full frontal nudity. Full frontal nudity in the form of texts, like blood. It just, a, one dude super tripping on drugs, like, it just was kind of all over the place. And it was also oh, just. And James Franco. And James Franco. And James Franco. Who played James Franco. <laughs> just what just and he was with um Mindy Kaling, which I do like Miley Cyrus. Yeah. Oh yeah, Miley Cyrus and that. And um Lizzie Kaplan. Like it was just not for me, but and Tracy Morgan's voice was in it. Oh yeah, they narrated part of it. Yes. So that's all I'll say. It's just it wasn't made for me. It was not my cup of tea, as I would say. Last Christmas, I think that movie, that it is a really well-acted movie. There are parts in it that are also kind of tear-jerky and sad. One thing I do like about it is you can kind of see Amelia Clark's, I forget the name of the character that she plays. Um, you can kind of see as the movie goes on that she tries to learn and, like, grow. And she, like, is obviously better at the ending than she is at the beginning. So I like, like, that her character growth. And how she really took her lessons from her dead um, heart donor ghost friends. Spoiler alert. I mean, it's not a twist. If, if you saw the movie trailer, you could have figured it out. Yeah, they did kind of ruin it in the trailer, too. Yep. So I'm like, if you've seen the trailer, I mean, they kind of wrote, like, you knew it. But, like, the fact that, like, her character growth was just so... I just really liked her character growth in that movie, is what I will say. And I think it was much more touching than the night before. <laughs> Even though there is a message of friendship in that movie, I guess it could be an argument could be made for that. Yeah. Um, so, you guys, this is how easily like I cry. I teared up at the night before. <laughs> really? Which part? When, with the flashback to the past. Oh, yeah. And then we come for him after his parents died. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't get that. Okay. That's how easily I cry, guys. That's why I didn't <laughs> watch Jack Frost. I cried at the night before. <laughs> I've cried at some weird movies, so you too. He cried during Tombstone, the Western movie. I cried during weird movies, too, so I get it. Yeah. So, but... Other than that, I mean, I was fine. Um, but I thought, you know, we tried to actually watch this before. And then we watched it a couple of nights ago, like, in its entirety. And, like, we, I think, again, I mean, it's not, like, Klaus or Claus, but it's, it was enjoyable. I think we, like, overall enjoyed it, honestly. Like, it, we, don't, we don't really mind that kind of humor. But, um, and then last Christmas... 
I was kind of thrown off by the surprise of the unhonestly when when I watched. Did you see it coming or no? Yeah. Was, yeah. was it? I thought so. I don't, well, maybe I missed. Didn't you? I think it's pretty. Like, I think Danny was pretty like. I I kind of thought that like when when anytime a movie starts doing something where the like nobody interacts with the other main character, yeah, I was like, that's yeah, like she's the only one that's interacting mm-hmm. with him. The only thing, the first, the first couple times, it's like, oh, okay, but they like they went to him so many times, and yeah. Never talked, and it's like, okay, nobody knew who he was. The only thing that kind of yeah. threw me for a loop was when they actually go. Because I'm thinking, like, okay, well, why doesn't she ask to go sleep at his place? Because she sleeps at everybody else's place. And then she finally does sleep in that apartment. And I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of like if he's... That threw, that threw me for a little bit of a loop. But then, like, okay, then it's like... That was the only thing that kind of tripped me up for a second. So, but then, yeah, yeah good. Yeah. No, I thought... I just thought it was... I, I don't know. I don't know why I didn't see it coming. Maybe it wasn't... Paying too close attention, but I thought it was a good movie. Mm-hmm. That, well, yeah, that was our first time seeing that too. So, um, yeah, overall enjoyed the movies. I like how it kind of goes with the song where it's like, yeah. Last Christmas yeah. I gave you my heart. So, <laughs> I'll throw it over. Uh, I'll give you the box office numbers and Scott yelled at me the last time. <laughs> so, Night before, Night before had a $52 million, I made $52 million at the box office. Only had a budget about twenty five, so right. doubled his money, although being on a pretty low budget, which I was actually kind of surprised on how low that budget was because mm-hmm. there was some decent like special effects in that movie, and like I don't know, I thought there's some sets that were pretty creative for being that low of a budget, honestly. Um, and then last Christmas made a, over a hundred and twenty five million dollars in wow. the box office. Shocked by that? Way higher than I thought. I had never heard of this movie before. It was on this rocket. I had never heard of that movie. Last Christmas? Yeah. Really? Never heard of it. Uh, $30 million budget, by the way, so really successful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I really liked The Night Before. I'd never seen it before. I thought it was, I mean, I thought it was a pretty funny comedy. I mean, it was, it was like a, I said, like almost like an immature, it was like a comedy you'd watch in high school. Yeah. Difference. That's kind of what it reminded me of. Uh, there's some pretty, there's some kind of stupid moments of it, but I thought Seth Rogen was really funny just being like, just like basically, being out of it for the entire movie, I thought was really like the way he kind of like uh, portrayed being high the whole time. I thought was really good. The scene in the church really made me laugh. When yes, that was funny. Listen, I, like I wasn't responsible for this. Or something like that. <laughs> we did not uh, kill Jesus. <laughs> not like that. Yeah, I mean, like you believe they were friends. Mm-hmm. I thought it. I mean, there were some moments that were kind of like like heartwarming, but a lot of it was just like funny and uh, I said like surprise like. James Franco being there, Miley Cyrus showing up at a party. Yeah. Um, I like the guy that played Mr. Green a lot. I thought Michael Shannon, really, yeah, yeah, and that guy is in the Boardwalk Empire, and I really love. Yes, I really, I really love him in that. So just seeing him in a very different role was was really fun. So yeah, yeah I understand it's not Mercy, Mercy Warren's cup of tea, and I kind of see why. I, I do agree. It's more of a, I guess I would say, a, it's more of a guy movie. Uh, I really enjoy. I enjoy it though. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's like a super family Christmas movie, but it's a fun movie. I thought. I almost put it on last year's bracket, but decided at the last minute to do that eight big Christmas with Neil Patrick Harris instead because I thought it had a better shot. But I kind of regret it because I do. I, I thought this movie was funnier and a little bit it's better than eight big. Yeah, yeah. Better, yeah. Okay. So as we get into voting here, um, it's kind of funny because night before was my pick, but I'm actually going to vote for the la- last Christmas. I thought you know when you're looking for a Christmas movie, this one had. 
a good story, and it kind of shows the better acting quality, too, in this one compared to something like Happiest Season. No offense, Mrs. Lawson again. But, like, you know, where it's something by the book, and that's kind of still a little predictable, or you can see it coming, but the level of acting kind of elevated it. And Amelia Clark, when you compare it to, like, Kristen Stewart, just in that kind of connection there, so much better. So, so much better. But then the only thing that did kind of take me off a little bit was Emma Thompson pretending to be a Yugoslavian. Like, that oh, is yeah. just... That, she wasn't the right choice for that. That yeah, wasn't... That was a weird pick. That was a weird pick. I didn't like... Just put her in... Just make her an English role. She's an English actress. <laughs> Don't make Emma Thompson a Yugoslavian refugee. Strange pick. It was very weird. I think they did that just to show that, like, her family was, like, struggling... I don't know. I just it didn't make any sense to me. Not I, I. I can't justify it. It was just a bad casting choice for that movie. Cast somebody different. Yes, that or just make her the like. Just don't make her Yugoslavian then or something. I guess I don't know. Like I didn't like the. Like, yeah, she could have been poor from England. Yeah, just do that. It just it didn't. It was just that was the one thing that annoyed me about that movie. I've had a grudge for against Emma Thompson since two thousand and six when she, since she said Audrey Hepburn is overrated. Oh boy. So, yeah. Emma Thompson and I are not friends. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> I'll wrap it up. I thought Night Before was really funny. And Mitchell Lawson's right. It would have been a good movie in, in, to see in high school, but it came out in 2015 and we were well past high school at that point. So, <laughs> uh, last Christmas. Like the, the night before, if I was looking for like an outrageous comedy to watch, maybe. But when it comes to a Christmas movie, I'm looking for a certain level of heartwarming. Which, I guess, like I said, it could be an argument for the very end. But it just doesn't have the Christmas magic, if you will, for me, that I am looking for in a Christmas movie. So my vote's going to go to last Christmas. Um, this is kind of tough, because I like both. But I'll go for the night before, I guess. <laughs> I'm going to vote for the night before, too. I actually thought it was... I mean, obviously they're very different movies. So last Christmas, if you're looking for more of a heartwarming, you know, feel-good movie, sad at the end, uh, first like a rom, a buddy, a buddy rom-com really that's set around Christmas. Okay, so we have our first tiebreaker of the night. I'd like to thank uh, Mr. Acorn, aka Mr. Chestnuts, aka Andy's personal little helper, Acorn. That's another little inside joke there for our VIP listeners. You can get an inside joke too to become a VIP listener. Just sign up on uh, Spotify, get in touch with us. It's always fun. And uh, Andy is proud of you, Mr. Acorn. He really is. So anyway, when it comes to last Christmas versus the night before, the VIP tiebreaker chose the night before so the night before will move on into the next round and if it had been an imdb decision the night before would have one second it definitely it would have lost the night before would have lost the last christmas so it pays to be vip change history that's right they change history the final four films on the bracket all bring back movies from years past, and number one of them is number 13, The Charlie Brown Christmas Special, and it goes up against number 14, The Holiday. So, A Charlie Brown Christmas Special came out in 1965, starring Chris Doran, Sally Dreyer, Peter Robbins, and Christopher Shea. So, CBS executives were horrified at the idea of an animated Christmas special with such a blatant message. Mr. Lawson touched on this fact a couple years ago when we first had it on the podcast, but 
they also objected to more things besides the overly Christian message. Uh, some of those were that they didn't like that there was no canned laughter during the special, that the child actors they were were used instead of indul- adults. The, a good example is the actress who played Sally, uh, who played Sally, was so young she couldn't read yet, so they had to actually voice the lines to her and she had to repeat them back. But they also thought the pace was too slow, the jazz music didn't work, the animation was too rough, and that the special would never work or air again once it did. The only reason it aired in the first place was that it was already advertised on CBS and Coca-Cola had paid for their part. It went on to record to record ratings and excellent reviews and is the second longest running U.S. special behind only Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. So obviously that movie or the special did pretty well. I, we still watch it every year. Mm-hmm. And number 14, The Holiday, came out in 2006 starring Kate Winslet, Cameron Diaz, Jude Law, Jack Black, Ed Burns, and Rufus Sewell. The scene where Cameron Diaz and Jude Law are chasing one another in a field after lunch was so important to writer-director Nancy Myers that she demanded perfect music from composer Hans Zimmer. He was so proud with what he composed, he actually named the piece For Nancy. So the first time we had this on a bracket two years ago, I had actually not seen all of the holiday. I have seen it since then, so I will be able to make a better informed judgment when we get into voting here. Mercy Warren. It's weird to think that they thought that the Charlie Brown Christmas special was not going to air again. It's just notorious and so iconic now. We watch it every year. Just so much merchandising came from it as well. Like, I have a nativity scene from Charlie Brown that has, like, Linus's speech at the bottom. And I also have, like, a little Christmas decoration thing that has Linus's speech. So it is just a very heartwarming special it has happy moments sad moments it has funny moments silly moments so it kind of just makes you feel all sorts of things and i think that its message isn't overly blatant i do like the holiday Rewatching it recently i just remember how much i like kate winslet's character iris and her relationship with the neighbor and I really like hers and Jack Black's relationship, even though it feels like Jack Black feels a little bit out of place in that movie, just based on his previous works. But, like, I think their relationship is probably my favorite part of that movie. Lobsons. Her and Jack Black or her and the old man? That, just that whole, like, storyline. But, like, her and the old so man is cute. Kate Winslet in L.A. Yes, story. that's my favorite part. More so than the I England know. part. I love that. I love the house though in Surrey, like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't think I'd ever be able to like live in that house. The cottage, or like, a little cottage. Like, I would. I I don't know if it's an Airbnb now. I feel like it should be, but um, I would love to just like stay in there for a week in the winter time and just cozy up in Surrey. Mm-hmm. But the holiday was my pick to put back on the bracket to bring it back because it's just one of my favorite holiday movies just in general I just think it's like it's just a feel good I mean I'm a romantic comedy person so it's just like a feel good Christmas romantic comedy basically and it has like you know a happy ending um so I'll do the budget and the box office but the holiday 
had a budget of $85 million and made $205 million at the box office. So, obviously, I'm not the only one who loves the holiday. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then Charlie Brown Christmas, it's my favorite of the peanut specials. Um, Mm -hmm. I just think it's very touching and heartwarming, too. Yeah, it's a good matchup between two movies, honestly. Uh, glad, glad both were brought back. They both deserve to come back. Very different from each other. Uh, you know, the Kate Winslet, Jack Black, I don't know if I find it really believable that they're together. <laughs> but, um, there's some, there's some good parts to it. And I think it's, it's a, it's a movie about just like getting away for the holiday mm-hmm. and just like she need, it, she just needed a change in her life, and I think it just worked out for the best they for them. Both, they, both they both did. Yeah. Did. And Cameron Diaz. Was it Cameron Diaz that they won this with? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm still mad, as I mentioned in the other podcast. That scene at the end where she's running, I think, <laughs> is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And I don't really like Cameron Diaz's, like, parts of the movie as good. I like the, I like the Kate Winslet parts, honestly, better. Mm-hmm. Uh, Same here. Although I know, I know Scott kind of has a man crush for for uh, Jude Law. Yes, so he got does. That going. Yeah, I, it's more of a, so you have really like a romantic Christmas movie against the, I would say one of the most all-time iconic Christmas specials, Charlie Brown Christmas. It's a tough matchup here. Agreed, yeah. And like I said, uh, I don't know if you heard this part, Mr. Lawson, but like I hadn't really seen the holiday the first time I was on the, the bracket, but now I have. And so I know better now what you mean with that whole scene of her running back to the cottage again. Not only is it kind of infuriating because, like, there was no, like, there was, like, there's no way she was faster than the car. But also, too, where was Jude Law going to go? I mean, like, Graham, like, he yeah. was, he was, so yeah, <laughs> he's so like, like, he had to go down the same way that she did. It's not like he doesn't have a car over there. So it's like he wasn't going anywhere. So yeah, and she's just in, like, high heel boots. It's just very unrealistic. Yeah. Yes. It's almost like a scene, like, where they're, like, going to, like, the airport to, like, catch a flight. Yes. Yeah. Except there's no, there's no like catalyst for her to rush back, really. Yeah. Besides, like, oh, I made a mistake. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. It dawned on her, and for the first time, she was able to cry. So she's like, "I need to go tell Jude Law this right now." So she must run. I feel like I cried oh. for good reason. He, I feel like he he missed an opportunity to do uh, the napkin face man or napkin man one more time though. Like napkin head. Running and then like the car just like turns around and it's like right behind her, just like the driver's like, Do you wanna get in? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that would have been funny too. So those two little girls are so cute. They oh my are. gosh, so manipulative manipulative though. Extremely adorable. Yes. Like yeah. we don't have we don't normally have women guests here, like very just <laughs> like yeah. it, there was that one funny part too where it's like she was Kate Winslow was going back and forth talking to Cameron Diaz and her brother, and then he's like, "You bothered her, like you slept with her, like this is still me." (laughs) (laughs) But I do have to say, like at the end when it's New Year's Eve, like who just hangs out doing random conga lines like with a group of like four people? Wow, we we do the chicken dance. I was gonna say, but that Yeah. Like a happy ending. Granted, that's what makes them so great. 
Granted, you're right. We did do the chicken dance in the middle of a tornado, but <laughs> or baby Lawson. I think it happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So as we get into voting here, um, one of the reasons these uh, specials or films are up against each other is I tried to make it so that films that had gone against each other in the past didn't go up against each other this time. So that's also why National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation went up against Elf uh, earlier in the episode because they hadn't gone up against each other, and these two movies hadn't gone against each other either. And it is a tougher matchup than I would have admitted two years ago. But my vote is still going to go to Charlie Brown Christmas Special. It's just still just so good. And when you think of Christmas, that's one of the first things that comes to mind. Well, I do enjoy the movie The Holiday. Charlie Brown Christmas is just iconic. And its soundtrack is just, it bops. It's a bop. It slaps. It pops off. It's fire. It's all of those things. The scene where they're all, like, dancing is, like, one of my favorites. So my vote's going to go to Charlie Brown Christmas as well. I think in a losing effort, I also vote for the holiday. I don't think it's going to make it. But I'm not mad about it. As much as we spoke about the holiday, and it's a, it's a good movie. I'm glad I just came back. But Charlie Brown's one that you can watch every Christmas. And the holiday's one that, eh, I could skip yeah, every couple of years, maybe. <laughs> I mean, it's one I can watch. All yeah, I know you can. Yeah, because it doesn't feel like as Christmassy that you could watch it like all year long. You're right; it doesn't like you don't have to save it just for Christmas. That's fair. I will say there is a video of Jack Black being interviewed on the red carpet, and he forgets that he's in a Christmas movie because they ask him like what his favorite Christmas movie is, and he says Elf. <laughs> At, like, an interview, and they're like, so you're not going to say your own movie, The Holiday? And he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so even Jack Black, it's not his favorite Christmas movie. <laughs> and he was in it. <laughs> Well, for him, I feel like he didn't really do anything Christmassy at all for that thing, though, yeah. in, for his role. So, all right. So, Charlie Brown Christmas special moves on. And we have the final two films in the bracket, which see some fantastic movies that everybody knows. Um, both have been on the podcast before, and both have both gone very far on the brackets before. So, number 15 is A Christmas Story, which came out in 1983, starring Peter Billingsley, Melinda Dillon, uh, Darren McGavin and Gene Shepard, and I'm sorry, I forgot. Number 16 is The Muppets Christmas Carol. But A Christmas Story, uh, the fun fact here, which I'm kind of upset with myself, I didn't add on the, the fun one of the fun facts the last time I was on the show. So during one take, 12-year-old Peter Billingsley was given real chewing tobacco during the scene where Ralphie is pretending to be the sheriff confronting Black Bart. Afterwards, he was so sick that they had to stop production for about an hour. After that, they decided it would be uh, easier for him to chew and spit raisins instead of tobacco. So, different era back then in the 80s. Give a kid real chewing tobacco. I was going to say, that's how you can tell that the regulations for ch child actors has really changed since the early 80s. Yeah. That would not stand today. Oh, my gosh. All right. And number 16 is The Muppet Christmas Carol, which came out in 1992, starring Michael Caine, Dave Golas, Steve Whitmore, Frank Oz, Jerry Nelson, and Don Austin. So this is kind of a sad fun fact uh, for this one. So this was the first major Muppet project after creator Jim Henson's death of pneumonia, bacterial pneumonia, at age 53. 
co-creator Richard Hunt also passed away at age 40 in early in early 1992 when the film came out later that year, and he passed away from AIDS. So overall, there was a lot riding on it, and it did moderately well at the box office, but ultimately it did lose to Home Alone 2 and the box office earnings. Neither of the two producers or creators got to experience the final project, but I think they would have been proud of that. So those are the, all the fun facts I have for this episode. Mercy Warren, take us home. Christmas story, and I believe I've said this in past episodes where we've talked about the Christmas story. It's okay. It's fine. It is not my favorite Christmas movie by any means. Up until last year, I mean, I think I've seen the whole thing. But I don't think I ever seen it like from the beginning to end straight. I've just seen enough of bits and pieces of it being on TV so much that I've seen the whole thing. But last year I actually sat and watched it from beginning to end. And it's like I said, it's just not my favorite movie. It does have some funny parts and some iconic parts, like the kid getting his tongue stuck to the flagpole, um, the lamp with the fragile. And the dad being like so proud of this lamp. that That's kind of funny. I spoke about Castle Noel earlier in the episode. They also have a replica of the slide that Ralphie goes down when he sees Santa. That Scott pushed me down. I did. I uh, And actually the, the operator at the top of that said he's like, well, not many husbands have the nerve to actually push their wives down that. Did you go, how, how? I, I did. I did it, and then I'm like, I bet you've never heard that before. And he's like, yep, never heard that before. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So, that's my take about the Christmas story. at Christmas Carol. I know that I've said this in previous episodes. I love this movie. I don't think I will ever stop loving this movie. Of the Christmas Carol adaptations, which there is many, this is my absolute favorite. The fact that Michael Caine, he's playing opposite all puppets, but he's still, like, brought, like, kudos to him. The soundtrack pops off. It's fire. Um, I will admit there's a little bit of a lull during the Ghost of Christmas past. And she looks like Nightmare Fuel. We always skip that part. I mean, I don't necessarily skip it, but it's like, I usually will do something else during that part because, A, she looks creepy AF. And, like, uh-huh. yeah, it's just, that's not my favorite part. But, like, it picks back up once you get into the um, Ghost of Christmas present. And that song he sings is a bop. And yeah, that's, for, the best. that's the best Christmas present. Yeah. I do have to say that Michael Caine's singing is a little questionable at the end when he's, like, walking throughout the streets. And, like, <laughs> I mean, singing is not his forte, but... It is a good movie. If you haven't seen it, see it. Because it takes the Christmas Carol and it adds some levity to it. It adds some self-awareness with, like, Gonzo being Charles Dickens. I was just going to say, I, I like that Gonzo narrates it. It adds, like, it, it, it adds another level of comedy and, and good narration and storytelling to it. Yeah. Him and the, him and the rat. Yeah. yeah, and Rizzo. When he's, like, trying to clean the window and he's, like, beating him against it. Thank you for letting me be part of this. Like, <laughs> it is just, this. it has everything. It has heart. It's funny. It has the serious moments. But unlike Mickey's Christmas Carol, which we talked about earlier, it tells the whole story. It's not trying to rush it. So, obviously, I think very highly of Muppet Christmas Carol. So, I will let the Lawsons talk about it now. 
Yeah, both of, both of these movies are a part of my childhood. I remember like having the Christmas story on TV just like all day, like Christmas Eve and Christmas. The start it starts Christmas Eve, right? Christmas Day, I feel like it's Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely on an all-day Christmas Day, yeah. Yeah, it's on for, like, 12 hours straight. Mm -hmm. It's like a two-hour movie on TV. But I remember just having that on TV for a long period of time on Christmas Day. Mm -hmm. Just, um, and then, well, my Christmas Carol, yeah, I was going to um, point out Gonzo and Rizzo. Like, I like how they, they're narrating the story. But it's just, it's not just, like, a Muppet movie, but it's just, like, well, it's... It's for kids, but it's well done. Like, adults mm -hmm. can enjoy it, too. Um, so, I, I like both of these. I would be happy with either one of these moving on. I know Mercy really wants Muppets to move on. So. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, Muppets Christmas Carol, way better than Mickey's Christmas Carol. Like Mercy mentioned earlier, it doesn't feel rush. One question, though. I was going to ask you really quick. Which Crockett do you prefer, though, Mickey or uh, or uh, Kermit? No, Crockett. Well, and it's Kermit and Mickey are the yeah, Bob Cratchit. Yeah, I think Mickey's actually better Cratchit, believe it or not. I was gonna say so. Yeah, uh, the Marley and Marley, like the I like Marley. The Muppets Marley is better. Yeah, Marley and Marley. That was the Christmas past. That old guy. That was the Christmas past. I would pick Jimmy Cricket, honestly. Yeah, but the ghost. I would too. The ghost of Christmas Present is so much better. Yeah. And Michael Caine does such a great job of Scrooge. That's what really takes over the over yeah. the like, next level. Yeah. Like he doesn't act like he's acting against puppets. Like he's actually acting like he would if it was other people. Yeah, and, and there's a lot more like humor. Like I said, with the, with the Gonzo being the narrator, it's mm -hmm. a lot, there's a lot more humor in the Muppets one compared to the Mickey no, one. There's not that many funny parts. More of a no. straight. A straight up Christmas Carol, and it's also an abridged version because they cram it into like twenty six minutes. Yeah, so Muppets is a lot more going for it. The, the a Christmas Story, I just like the the parents in the movie make it laugh. Like the dad, I really just like when with when the lamp breaks and he blames the mom. Like it's just kind of like there's just I would say borderline just like real couple. Yeah, like, a couple like just like moments in that movie. Uh, I like it's, it's it's almost like in a way it's like a National Lampoon's like a dial down and more of like from the kids perspective. Yeah. That's kind of what it reminds me of. And these are both movies that I really like to see every single Christmas. So it's really tough to pick between them, but we'll see how the voting goes. Agreed. All right. So as we do get into voting here, this is always a tough, this is a tough decision. I don't think these, these movies haven't gone up against each other before. Not just because Mercy's next to me. I am going to give my vote towards Muppet Christmas Carol. I actually can. I don't. I don't like a lot of Christmas music. I really don't. But I can tolerate and actually bop along and enjoy a lot of the songs here, which kind of puts it over the edge for me. But you know who's not annoying? Everybody in the Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh my god! So except for the except for the ghost of Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. No, she literally looks like she could eat your soul. She's creepy. It's like we clearly didn't have CGI fully figured out yet when they made that. But she's the creepiest one, and there's like, and the Ghost of Christmas Future is pretty creepy. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Ghost of Christmas Future is pretty much standard in every single yeah. um, Christmas Carol adaptation. It's yeah. always a black hooded guy. You no, know, she's absolute nightmare fuel, and 
Yeah, we just didn't have CGI figured out quite yet. My mom's going to go to Muppet Christmas Carol. I like the term nightmare fuel. <laughs> you don't hear that often. It's a mercyism. I know, this is tougher than I thought it was going to be, because I do like both. But I'll, I'll throw my vote for Muppet Christmas Carol. I'll talk for Christmas Story, and uh, it's a cool place to visit if you're ever in Cleveland. There's a really cool house. That's right. Yeah. It's horse. Good we, we have yet to go there. That'll be that's on the list to do someday. Mm-hmm. All right, so we have gotten through all sixteen movies. That means we're getting into quick voting here, where we can wrap up the episode and have you all enjoy your holidays and Christmas festivities. And hopefully, we send everybody home happy with the ultimate pick. We don't know what's going to win. This is going to be uh, news for us too. This is going to be really fun. All right, so going back to the first round here, we have in the first part of the bracket, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street going up against. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I'm going to give it towards Christmas Vacation just because the comedy puts it over the top. I mean, again, too, like we said, I can, I, I can only watch Miracle on 34th Street at Christmas, but I can watch National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation in July. So that gets my vote, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I really enjoyed both of these movies, but if I'm going to give my vote to the one that I think is more watchable, as well as just... More quotable and funny, my vote's going to go to Christmas Vacation. Plus, I have really good memories of watching it every New Year's Eve, I mean Christmas Eve with my family. Yeah, I think I'm going to vote for uh, Christmas Vacation as well. I just enjoy that movie more. Christmas Vacation? I hope I get a bonus for voting for it. (laughs) Jelly of the Month Club. I was going to say. That's a new poll. (laughs) We didn't give out bonuses this year. How'd you get one? <laughs> All right. So now we get into the other part of it here where we have Home Alone 2 going up against Netflix's Claws. And this is tough. I'm actually going to give it a Claws here, which I'm a little surprised by my own vote. It was just, like we said in the first part, it was shockingly good, even if it was predictable. And I'm voting against myself, too, because I didn't pick, I picked Home Alone 2, but I'm actually going to be, I'm biased and go for the better film that I actually think I might want to watch again sometime soon, and that's going to be Claws. This is a rough one, because I actually, like I said before, really, really enjoyed watching Claws. If you want to go for the one that's less violent, like, there's still violence, but less violent, Claws is the option between these two movies. <laughs> so I'm actually also going to give my throw a vote towards Claws. I will throw a vote for Discovery on your part, Mr. Lawson. Yeah. And Home Alone 2, it might be my favorite out of all of them, out of like all the Home Loans, but it was just, you know, it was pretty good. All right. So then we get back into the second part of the bracket on the, on the, the back nine, and we have Jack Frost going up against The Night Before. I'm going to go with The Night Before with this one. It, I don't know if it's, I don't know. It's just, it's funnier. I like the actors in this one better. And like, like we said in the first part, like, Jack, Michael Keaton did pretty good with that, and it was a good heartwarming story, but that's pretty much where it ends there. It was just one and done for me, so night before it gets my vote. So this one's a really rough for me because I refuse to watch Jack Frost because I know I'll be sad, but I also didn't like the night before, so it's like, do I go with the one that I didn't see because I know it's sad, or do I go with the one I have seen but didn't like? 
So that is the quandary I currently find myself in. That's a, that's a quandary. It is a quandary. I guess the night before did have a nice message at the end of standing, always sticking by your friends and that telling the truth is the best thing to do. So I I guess I'm going to give my vote to the night before. Yeah. I think that's the choice I made. I think with these two picks, uh, I'm going to vote for the night before as well. Even though Jack Frost was my pick, I'm going to vote for the night before. I thought it was better than I expected just watching it for this podcast. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, it, it, it's Seth Rogen. It's a Seth Rogen movie. You know, excuse me, you know you, what you're going to get. It has more male genitalia than I generally enjoy during my Christmas movies, but I mean... All right. Uh, so just this, too much. yeah. So now we get back to where we just were in the final four, and uh, this we'll see the Charlie Brown Christmas special going up against Muppet Christmas Carol, and man, and just, I don't know if these went up against each other the first year or not, but this is such a tough decision. I think they might have. Oh my gosh! This time I'm going to give my vote to Charlie Brown Christmas special for this one. Uh, Muppet Christmas is good, but I love. How Charlie Brown Christmas Special, it just, it's not that long. It tells a great story in a short amount of time. And it's just something I, I have to watch every Christmas. So this is really, really tough on me because I love both of these so much. I grew up watching both of these. I mean, well, but I mean, we all know what I'm going to ultimately end up voting for, which is the Muppets. <laughs> Throw my vote for the Muppet Christmas Carol. Charlie Brown, and let's see the tiebreaker. All right, so. Is that going to be hard to find? No, I actually already have the IMDb scores pulled up. Oh, yeah. Have a little faith. This is. Believe in Scott, believe in Christmas. So, if this had been Mr. Acorn or Andy's Little Acorn, as he also is known, his pick would have gone towards Muppet Christmas over Charlie Brown. But in the later rounds, we use IMDb as the tiebreaker. IMDb has Charlie Brown Christmas special at 8.3 out of 10. Muppet Christmas Carol. 7.7 out of 10. So Charlie Brown gets the win in this one. See, that's not even one you can be mad at. Like... Had I wish Muppets progressed, yes. But do I respect Charlie Brown enough to be okay with it? Yes. Those are both. Yeah. Yes. Like, I mean, if it was going to lose to something, I'm not mad at it. Right. Had it lost to Garfield's Christmas special, I might be mad at it. But I have to say, I am not mad at Charlie Brown moving forward. All right. So now we get into the semifinals. And we have, so, okay. So National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation versus Claws. And while Claus is a great Cinderella story that made it farther than I thought it would, and I liked it better than I thought it would, Christmas Vacation gets my vote here. You just can't beat Chevy Chase. This is him at his absolute comedic best. I second what Scott had said. Claus was a great movie. If I feel like not a lot of people knew about this movie because I've never really heard anyone talk about it. So if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend doing so. You can find it on Netflix. But I am also going to give my vote to Christmas Vacation. Christmas Vacation. I'm hoping it goes all the way. 
Christmas vacation, get the brooms out. It's a sweep. All right. So now we have the other semifinals where it's the night before versus Charlie Brown Christmas special. Uh, Charlie Brown Christmas special. That's not even really close on this one. I do not have a quandary about this vote. I'm going to vote for Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown, easy one. All right. So now we have Heart versus Comedy. Charlie Brown Christmas special versus a Christmas vacation. And you know what? I think not only do I have a movie in the finals uh, with the Charlie Brown Christmas special, I've never won a bracket before. I'm not trying to let that influence anybody's decisions here. I know. I have yet to win a movie bracket here. And of course, I'm going against our multi, multi, multi time winner, Mrs. Lawson. So this will be interesting. I am going to vote for my pick, Charlie Brown Christmas special. This is a really rough one for me because it's. I love both of these so much. And when you think about it, like, they kind of have similar messages in the end about what the real meanings of Christmas are. I don't know what to do. I have a quandary again. Go with your heart, I think, in solidarity with my husband, I'm going to go vote for Charlie Brown. I'll make mine easy and do Christmas vacation. I think we have a battle of the households here. Because <laughs> I think, actually, I, I mean, I don't know who picked it. I, I just like Christmas vacation better. Yeah. So let's send it to the tiebreaker. Honestly, up until we got to the end here, I totally forgot that I even picked Charlie Brown Christmas special. So, and I didn't know Mrs. Lawson picked special, or uh, I'm sorry, Xmas Vacation until I looked it up here. So we're gonna send it to a tiebreaker. Well, what would the VIP in? So yes, yeah, so let's get the VIP in here. All right. So between Christmas Vacation and a Charlie Brown Christmas, Christmas Vacation would have beaten out Charlie Brown. So I'll give his top and bottom picks here in a moment. Um, but yeah, so Christmas Vacation would have beaten Charlie Brown Christmas Special. And in this... Pretty high IMDb scores. Well, as we said, so Charlie Brown Christmas Special is an 8.3 out of 10 as revealed last round. Christmas Vacation, the movie that everybody knows, that a movie that everybody loves, that sees it every year. 8.5? No, I'm joking. That was a swerve. 7.5. Charlie Brown, a Christmas special, gets the win. Scott Bards gets his very first bracket movie win. It's a Christmas miracle. It is a Christmas miracle. Wow. Look at that. Now I don't need to get you any Christmas gifts. No. Because I helped you win. Never. Nobody ever gets me what I want. You're the most Scrooge Christmas person on this podcast. On this podcast, for sure. And I'm like Buddy the Elf, so it's like... And it also just shows that we picked good movies two years ago. Yes. Yeah. And and now three of us each have a win on a Christmas episode. So, Mr. Lawson, when we do our fourth one next year, maybe it'll be your turn. Because that was a close one for me. Like, that's when I'll probably put in my rotation and watch again next year. So what was the what was the three bottom ones from our okay. VIP? So our three bottom ones for the VIP, Mr. Acorn... Number 16, The Holiday, his worst-rated film. He's also a boy. Yeah. I don't think boys respect it. Number 15 was Jack Frost. And number 14 was Last Christmas. All right. His top three. Number three was A Muppet Christmas. 
Number two was A Christmas Story. And his number one favorite Christmas movie on the bracket was Elf. Will Ferrell's Elf. Yeah, yeah, I think we can uh, we can all agree here pretty much, Mr. Acorn. Uh, you have some good taste here. So hopefully you can be a VIP contestant again in the future. Thank you to everybody out there who listened to the show. Uh, I want to thank all the other hosts. You guys are awesome. I know uh, we've been up really late doing these episodes to get it out in time before the holiday season. So thank you guys all for staying up so late and doing this. And we got our giggles and and stuff out on the show. <laughs> All right, so anybody with any closing thoughts for the show? I know Mrs. Lawson and I normally talk about the seasonal coffee drinks this time of year, but I really haven't tried any new ones. The only one, only Starbucks one that I've really had is the, the, chi, the one with the chai. I haven't had that one yet. It's a really long, silly name. I can look it up, but it's, um, I'm trying to... this whole thing out. <laughs> yeah, sorry. No, I'm not even going to look it up. But anyways, it has, like, chai, and it tastes like Christmas, and it's delicious. So. I'll have to find the one that has the chai in it. I've had the caramel brulee latte, but they have that every year. That's nothing new. It's my, but it's yeah. my favorite year over year. And then a plug for the Dunkin' Donuts cold brew... Um, cookie butter cold brew, or co- yeah, that's what it's called. Yeah, I just edit this out. I was trying to go for something, but oh, I, haven't had, I haven't had that one yet, but it is good. That's it's, the returner from last year. Too. Yeah, it is really. That's good. a good one. Even Scott, who doesn't like coffee, liked the phone. Yeah, actually, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, the phone was actually that wasn't bad because the phone's not the coffee part, and it doesn't taste like coffee. It has a little crumble. Yeah, it has like little Biscoff cookies or something crushed up. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, I think we can probably end the show here. Thank you all for listening out there. Become a VIP listener. Get in touch with us. And uh, I guess we're going to have to wait till next year to see who uh, wins the next matchup between Mrs. Lawson and Mercy Warren on the Queen of Christmas. Until then, the King of Christmas, Scott Barnes, is going to sign it off. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Indeed, indeed. And Mercy Warren, as we say to close out every show. Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. I'm going to cancel Christmas because of that. Sound.